Thanks for listening to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for HBO's True Detective Anthology, brought to you by Bald Move. This conversation covers Season 2, Episode 1, titled Down Will Come. The war was lost, the treaty signed, I was not caught across the line, I was not caught, though many tried, I live among you, well disguised. Frank continues to visit old contacts in order to strike new deals. They're reluctant to do business with Frank, but he has ways of convincing them. He also reaches out to one of his wife's old flames, a producer who wants to do business on his own timeline. Paul wakes up in the bed of his army buddy, not remembering how he got there. His bike has been stolen, and he's run out of his hotel by aggressive reporters. The case leads the detectives to a pawn shop, where they find a tape of a woman who took Casper's watch. She's prostituting for a pimp named Lito Amaria, with lots of priors. The cops mount up for a raid, which turns into a bloody shootout, leaving cops, criminals, and innocent bystanders dead in the streets of Los Angeles. Okay, it's episode four. What'd you think? Halfway. We're halfway home, man. Yeah. Are you satisfied with the first half of this season? Yes, with a massive grain of salt, which is... As I said, with with Ray surviving his apparently fatal shotgunning, mm-hmm. that is only going to be cool, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not going to be outraged if that plays off in a satisfying way. And I feel the same way about this gun battle, honestly. That hmm. you know, it was thrilling. It was a nice. It's kind of amazing how closely Nick P seems to be adhering to the structure of last season. Yeah, this down first to half this is... climactic out of nowhere action sequence that kind of yeah. in my opinion was as equally thrilling but in a completely different way than the last season's gunfight. It was weird going up to the last 10 minutes of this episode. Uh-huh. I was that was in my mind like Okay, this is the point in season one where True Detective Shit went, just blew wide open. Yeah, it really kicked into high gear. And I was waiting for that moment, I guess. And I'm not certain whether I'm really happy that it paid off in the way it did. You know, like th- there's an obvious comparison that you have to draw here. Yes. And he's encouraging, which is, which is the season two gunfight to the season one escape from mm. from the uh, from the community there. I. I'm not sure that season two lived up to it in the same way, though it was pulse pounding. It was exciting. It was very cool. It's it's a different kind of breed of action scene, right? It's not yeah. technically that impressive. No, There's a it's... lot of lead flying, uh, but but the camera work is not nearly as interesting. I'm sure there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into getting that many bullets oh, and yeah. squibs and shit. Oh, yeah. But it's not a single On take. camera. But but it's not as interesting visually because it's not a single take. However, I will say that I know the three the, the three main leads did live, but I did yeah. not have, in, in, in the way that season one, I was morally certain uh, that Russ would make it out of that. I just wasn't sure if he would still have his lead intact. That was the tension. We talked about that. I mean, you absolutely know 100% he survives. Yeah, because yeah. he, he's he's he shows up later. I had no doubt, mm-hmm. but it's whether he'd get out with with Ginger and whether his cover would be blown and all yeah. those other questions. Here, I had a real sense of oh shit, 
Uh, sure. I, Ray could die. Paul could definitely die. Yeah. Especially after he made the, like, you know, maybe he should have died because he's going to dark places with his girlfriend here. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and Annie, like, any one of those, I could have accepted their death, and I was actually af- uh, afraid for them to varying degrees. Yeah. Especially after Dixon's head explodes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was kind of their main character death, I think. But but um, my my point about like how I'm kind of delaying like yes this is very cool but like mm-hmm. Alan Suppenwall said um, he kind of stole my thunder on this um, is very cool Ted and is is it's very impressive and it's very exciting mm-hmm. uh, however if this doesn't tie into the main plot in a satisfying way it's going to seem like empty theater so okay. that's the kind of where I'm at like I could see our podcast for seven and eight. Uh, of season two being brutal like if this doesn't come together and they ne- you know <laughs> there's there's no answers to why the Birdman spared ray if there's no really and then there's walking a fine line here with this sprawl like how much of this is engineered by when i say the sprawl i mean the the mayor of vinci yeah. and the state and and the corruption because you can reach a point where it's like the Dark Knight Returns, where you watch that film and it's like, wow, this is incredible. This is so exciting. And then you rewatch it and like, wait a fucking minute. How did the Joker know what street the helicopter was going to go down so he could do the whole, you know, ATST and the indoor woods thing with it? And how do you know which bridge tunnel they're going to take? Yeah, and how, I, it's literally like, the Batman Gambit, right? And, it's, and, yeah. That's he, what it is. Yeah. Like, and on the other hand, if this stuff wasn't architected, you know, by and large from on top, it's mm-hmm. kind of meaningless. It's just some f- weird fuckery that happens. And also, there's got to be real consequences of this, right? I would think like, so, Something yeah. like this happens, the shit hits the fan. Like, I expect all three of these guys to be on administrative leave immediately. <laughs> I expect <laughs> the, the funny thing about I that expect is... officially the investigation to be closed. This guy uh, killed Casper. That's the evidence. And, and all these people. I... And then how does the show go on from here? Like, these are all questions I need to answer before I can objectively say whether that scene was good or not. Yeah. Because it could just be fucking popcorn and and, and uh, uh, cotton candy. And, yeah. In which case, I'm going to be really pissed. It's funny that you bring up, like, administrative leave. What does that actually mean in this universe? Because there are now two suspended police officers <laughs> on this case right but that's kind of telling like I, thought, I, I just think that's funny i know that there are yeah, reasons yeah. for that but uh, i think i think ray was right on in his analysis like now that you know ray sobered up maybe he will be colombo yeah maybe he was laying it all out to annie and i thought she was pretty naive saying that uh you know well if you're dirty you're not dirty you don't have to worry about it and he's like <laughs> okay that's not how it works uh but yeah, I, those are the, the the key cruxes. Uh, how involved yeah. is the sprawl? Is the sprawl too involved? Like, is this too mm-hmm. engineered that it's just unbelievable that that they could pull these strings and and know exactly what's going to happen? I don't know. As an action piece, I think it worked really well. It got sure. the blood pumping, um, and it, in the same way that I think the first one did, except for visually. I don't think it was as inspired, and I don't think it's like some people said they thought it was unrealistic, but like. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven Hollywood shootout yeah. between the guys with that's the, exactly that's, what I was thinking. That's the same here. Like, no, I've I was alive when this shit uh-huh. happened for real, and it was fucking insane. And and the death. I mean, I don't think anyone died, but the two gunmen. But like twenty seven people were were wounded fairly severely. Yeah, uh, some of them cops, some of them civilians. So yeah, I and it lasted way longer than this did. Oh yeah, yeah, it was some like video game type shit. Yeah. 
Um, I thought it's totally believable. It's it's just how is this going to relate back to the main, the interesting thing, mm-hmm. which is this weird murder cult Birdman shit. Uh, and how is it going to impact the universe? And how are these policemen going and, and police women going to effectively operate in a post uh, shootout world? Yeah, your mention of the Birdman stuff brings me around to the other feeling I have toward the season, which is this very, very slow snowball. And this is the thing that got me. I, my feelings on this season roughly mirror season one because I think the the season itself does. Um, I'm I'm not super invested in most of this story yet. There's got to be something that's going to take me over the top here uh, and really do it for me. And so far, I haven't seen it. Well, you know, another thing I've seen that people be talking about is structured. This is the same, but I wonder if momentum wise is going to be different because, you know, I, I know you disagree with me, but my viewpoint is that the first season episodes one through five were just amazing. And the last three episodes were almost just like, the clock has wound up. Now we're just going to see it. You know, we're going to we're going to see this thing uh, evolve and it kind of happens more or less. We didn't learn much new. It was just all the pieces coming together. Whereas here it feels like the first few episodes have, have been here. Are these characters and here are all the things that make them tick and here are all these weird pieces. And we're still missing some vibe. Like, I don't feel like all the stuff is on the table. Yeah. And you. and we're going to then get some weirder and weirder things that are going to happen. And maybe, like, you know, if all the th- three of these guys end up being vigilantes by the end, is that – will that be interesting? They're all, like, you know, hmm. rust coal, uh-huh. wearing black, and crashing in mansions. And instead of that just being, like, a flashback, maybe we see all that kind of extra legal stuff happening. That might be cool. There, Yeah, I mean, so I guess it could be that the back half of this season is the exciting part. Uh-huh. And it's all set up versus all the exciting, really pulse pounding, fascinating things happen in the front half of last season. And then you just have kind of a slow wind down. It's more about the two men than it was even about solving the mystery. Yeah, I mean, for me, the back half of the last season was the the best part. Um, I I was much more interested in that once the clues started leading them somewhere. Hmm. You know, I mean, these these clues about the spiral stuff. It all felt very premature when they killed Reggie Ledoux. Yeah. Um, And it was obviously. Um, but the thing that really got me going was the reopening of the investigation, the action scene, yeah. a couple of things that happened between Marty and Rust. Uh, and I feel like that is that is mirrored pretty closely here. The the other sure. thing about the investigation in yeah. this season is I feel like it has a slightly different flavor. Like this investigation feels super nat- not supernatural, <laughs> feels very natural to me. It huh. feels like you know, there aren't any clues that really just blow the thing open. It's not like they're going to find the one thing that makes it all make sense. It's it's piece by piece. It's constructing the puzzle as we go, and it's very subtle, and it's very, you know, it has it has a, a feel of reality to it. Like, these yeah. things don't usually just get blown open by a piece of evidence. It's putting it all together. I do think that there is a big crucial piece, which is the connection of Dr. Pitlore, yeah, yeah. To the mayor and and the the weird stuff happened with his wife and the Casper mm-hmm. and and the photograph with her. Like I'm something's up there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm much more. There's something I noticed in the uh, previously on in this season, uh, this episode for Annie's father. That I'm going to talk about in the psychosphere that I think is indicative to like that whole thing being bad. 
and there's some some really crazy theories on Reddit about all that I don't I don't know that I buy that we might talk about in the psychosphere section, but mm-hmm. no, I agree. I mean, there's I, like a lot more dead ends maybe in this one. I you know I don't that's, like the car gets firebombed. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that they were trying to investigate doesn't pan out. I feel like a lot of that happened in season one of True Detective, there, some but stuff, you yeah. seem to be more annoyed with the the red herrings and dead ends than than maybe this season. Well, it's it's from a point of retrospective too, right? Like hindsight, yeah, looking back at pod- it, saying yeah, none yeah, of this yeah. shit led anywhere. Yeah, is yeah, it, a it lot colors. easier to get angry about. Sure, sure, okay. Than hoping for the the future connections. That's pretty fair. Um. Shall we talk? The one thing I want to talk about is this this sprawl because I feel like this is the the key. Like, how much of this is actually blowback from the mayor and and his cabal? Okay, Paul waking up at his 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 bro's house. Yeah, there's the question we of know how for that a happened. Fact right? that Dixon, before he got his head blown off, was hard at work trying to frame this guy up, get some dirt he on was. him. Yeah. Um. And and I'm not clear on how, and I don't think Paul was quite clear on how he got there. Yeah. And his bike was stolen. Uh, Paul waking up his bro's house, uh, sprawl or no sprawl? It doesn't feel like sprawl. That feels like a personal issue that has no involvement. Got blackout drunk and yeah. he got down on his buddy. Or like, I'm, I'm not even sure about blackout drunk. Was this, was he outside of the club that he went to with the, the prostitute? The male prostitute, where he bumped into Frank, is that where his bike was supposedly parked? I don't know because I'm not sure. Is this the sh- next morning? I feel like it. Yeah. Okay, that's but what I, I felt I, like. I, too. I don't have a good handle on the time. I mean, I don't even know if so. He goes there. Or 2014. Honestly, <laughs> neither does the show. <laughs> uh, so he goes there to investigate this whole scene, and what happens? He starts drinking on the job. He starts doing coke. He starts like, does he get roofied? What's that's what's happening all, here? See, that's know? the thing, and we know that. But but I feel like whatever happened there, it wasn't part of the case necessarily. It was his own personal demons coming into the But it, the, the Lux Emporium or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, uh, I, I feel like that there is a connection there between right. the guy that got his teeth pulled out and the mayor. And there's still because okay. Frank's even acknowledged like there's this Mexican cartel deal here. I'm going to take care of that, which I think that's going to be super interesting. Frank having yeah. to, you know, beat off another uh Whack it! No, that's like you, you, you can't use. Sometimes you <laughs> yeah. get you get in trouble third round mob lingo. He's got to he's got to somehow repel this other force out of the club, but that is still active. So if there is something with Vinci saying that, you know, we need to get dirt on this 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 cop, mm-hmm. uh, is is the mayor's son involved? Did did he get roofied? I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like I could see this being part of the sprawl. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I think if you want to buy into that, you can certainly. I don't go know there. that yeah. I want to buy into it. I'm just saying that I'm trying to figure out, like, and, and yeah. to the to the more of this that ends up being sprawl, the more. I'll, I'll give you this: it's a super it's a f- big coincidence that the bike is stolen. Right. Sure. Well, I don't know. It's L.A. I I hear that shit gets stolen. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's. God help you for driving a Honda Accord in L.A. It's just going to be gone in 60 seconds. Is it a police bike or is that his personal bike? That's his personal bike, right? Still, it's not every day that a bike is stolen from a single person, right? Okay. And you happen to be I bet in L.A. literally it's every day that someone gets... Well, not from the same person. Okay, okay. I mean, it's, what, once every few years, maybe. Okay. It's a coincidence that it happens on the night that he blacks out and ends up with his buddy. Yeah. So if you want to go conspiratorial, I think that's maybe an angle. 
as well. Do you think to what extent is Ray in on this? In because because on... let's so all right. Let's skip ahead to the gun battle. Sprawl, the setup of, of them going <laughs> after their. Uh, let, let, let me back up. This is this is a tough and unpack. It seems like watch, an overreaction. The the big chain of evidence that leads them to Nodos oh. from from Breaking Bad. Yeah, uh, is the watch that yep. that was Casper's. It was insured for thirty two thousand dollars. Paul goes and finds that it's a match, and they are like, okay, now we're going to find this guy, find out when he's there, we're going to go hit it. Yeah, it's got the fingerprints of uh, the girl, this this Elo guy, what is, what is his name? I don't know. No, I don't remember his name. Yeah, yeah, the the gangster guy that they're, the mm-hmm. the pimp that they're after in this building. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that watch planted? Is that part of the sprawl? Planted watch. And, and I feel like it could literally just be the, the the way they're setting it up is that okay she's at these crazy sex parties right she sees this super fancy valuable watch she swipes it she takes it back her pimp finds it he's handling it he pawns it or she she goes and pawns it like there I I don't think there has to be like a sprawl element necessarily she could just be involved in these sex parties that okay that, that go on. Follow up, but I think maybe you the, could go that. The actually too. raid on the drug and the fact that they seem to be knowing when that they are coming and they're very well armed is that part of the sprawl. That that se- that's why I say it seems like a huge overreaction to just immediately start gunning down cops when they show up, right? And my follow up on something that bigger than prostitution must be going on there. Is Ray involved because there is significant glances between him and the mayor and his his police chief and the way he was really buddy buddy with Paul. Made me think that 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 there is some stuff that we're not seeing that he was assigned to work this. Now, I, Maybe. I my read on Ray is that he wouldn't participate in this if he knew that they were walking into a death trap. That so would seem foolish. Yeah, was was him picking up Ray uh, or Ray picking up Paul? And let me back that up. The newspapers all descending on him like jackals this same day. Sprawl or no sprawl? I didn't feel like that was sprawl. I felt like that was. You know, he's been accused of this this crime. He's also wrapped up in this Black Mountain thing. Uh, Seems a little coincidental. Then Ray's there's his white But I mean, it's L.A. Favorite. and they're reporters, and we know the reputation they have. They're voracious. They're Yeah, and that's they were worried about this. So know, I don't feel like that's a huge... Okay. Like, uh, but how would they know... How would they know where he was at? Like, they tracked him down to that hotel. Did he use his real name? Is, that, is he foolish maybe, enough to do that? Maybe. Yeah, he probably would, wouldn't he? he? Yeah. Because he's supposed to lay low, that, you know, and be on part of the special investigation down south just to get him away from all this. So, yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, Annie's sex, uh, internal affairs, uh, sexual harassment uh, investigation. Sprawl? I don't think so. I think that's just Mercer being a D-bag. I think so, too. I do. Like, getting I, butthurt about how she rebuked him and and filing a complaint. But Annie, like, Annie and her partner both mention it as possible blowback from the mayor. But I'm like, man, that's the one thing that I'm like, I don't see how the mayor can move that fast. How the hell would he know? I, he picks I up the agree, phone, calls the sheriff to fire, but what kind of dirt she got on her fingernails? Oh, she just fucked the cop, had a nasty breakup? All yeah. right. Like there is some supporting evidence though, right? I mean, Ray kind of giving her a warning this episode. Oh yeah, feels like it might lead itself towards sprawl. And and the her superior officer didn't deny it, but on the other hand, that's true. There, there's I, I feel like 
with this sex thing that she's kind of dead to rights. Like when she said, if this was a, if I was a man and he was a woman, we'd have, oh, fuck, no, you would still be having this conversation. Uh, Get what? That's like, come on. You cannot be that unself aware. Like, yeah, it, I, I don't it, know it, why in, she necessarily in 2015, pulls that card. In 2015 in California, uh-huh. if you are a superior dating an inferior, you are playing with fucking fire. Yeah. Like, that is just a bad idea. You sh- you know, like, just from a common sense, you don't shit where you eat. Whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't, yeah, yeah it's, and, and for this, to, I th- actually thought it was interesting that this kind of turned around and blew up in her face. But I don't think that's sprawl. I don't think so either. I think it's just Mercer. But I also like the idea that they're playing around with the characters as possibly being paranoid. Yeah. You know, we, we saw the contaminated ground plots yeah. that were how we opened up the series. I think this is interesting. This is clearly part. I mean, this is part of the sprawl. This, I believe this so, seems yeah. like it's an official way to condemn valuable real estate yep. and steal it from farmers and, and then other... sell it to the government for roadways. This is the last yeah. pork barrel project other than defense. And everyone wants to get in at the trough. It yep. seems like so that's I agree. sprawl. I think so. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, what else? The fucking guitar girl with the bruised up knees. Sprawl or no sprawl? What the fuck is going on? I think the actress just had a bad car accident. I the feel like day. Like I don't. I don't know why I've, are her knees bruised. Up? I feel like this is like you know two episodes in. Uh, someone said we can't take this. She got Jeff Galulied in episode three. Crowbar through the <laughs> knees. She you gotta to, sing something more. A beat lady. She, she came back, wrote a whole song about how bad her knees hurt, and came back. Yeah. This I. It's Ray. He was like, look, when I wasn't sober, this was fine, but. <laughs> I'm trying to get clean here, lady. <laughs> he put on a ski mask, got his gloves, and you know the, he couldn't uh-huh. fucking believe she drug herself back in. It, she sings the same god. It, she's like the evil version of ZZ Top. They they play the same goddamn song. It's a really good song, but yep. it's the same damn song. She plays the same damn terrible song every episode. It's true. God, it's true. I. They're fucking with me, man. And what does it say about Frank allowing this to happen in his bar? I, you know, no wonder he's slipping. No yeah. wonder they made a move on him. Gee. How many more episodes do you want to see Frank muscle in on a small time businessman? Zero. I seriously like this was the last one. I was almost fed up with the, the the apartment complex manager. Like if I see him and his goons roll in and intimidate some real estate guy or some. Uh, a construction worker or some club owner or some apartment owner or some department store owner or some Turkish bakery. I, I, yeah. I, I'm done. Like, I don't need to see that anymore. I like Frank. I, think I do too. I'm Frank's invest. His parallel underworld investigation is really fascinating, but I, I don't want to see him muscle the small time hustle and muscle stuff much more. For one thing, I feel like that's a crutch that is, about to snap from overuse. Here's the thing I don't like about it, and we talked a little bit about this before the podcast. Um, I feel like watching this show that Frank has taken his eye off the ball a little bit. Like, okay. I I get that, yes, he's trying to do both things at once. He's got to pay Chasani. He's trying to get back into the small small ball game um, in order to, to pay back his debt there. But his bigger goal should be, and I, I think was a couple of episodes ago, to get this money back that Casper fucked him out of. Sure. He's doing some things, like he's got this, you know, this stuff he's bringing to Frank um, near the end of the episode. Um, kind of got him on the case, but I feel like... Talking about Ray. Frank has got Ray on the case. 
Yes. Okay. I, I don't know what I said, but that, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, but I feel like he's not doing as much as he could. Like, why isn't he pushing harder on Blake if he thinks he's got problems? Or if he doesn't think he has problems with Blake, why doesn't he have Blake more solidly on this this case, you know? Well, it, it, maybe we just haven't been shown that is stuff. Is Blake part but, of the sprawl? Because... Yeah, that's a fair question. Cause, cause, and if he is, why isn't Frank doing more to investigate Blake? So two episodes ago, the mayor mentioned that someone is trying to muscle in on, on Frank's territory. To me, the two prime suspects are the mayor's son. Okay. Or Blake. Mm-hmm. And that this was essentially a failed coup that Ray smoked out. And I don't... There's two things you can do with a failed coup. You can kill the guy... Um, if, which if you knew for sure, I guess that's what you do, or you yeah. can bust him, bust him back down and make him earn his way back into organization and keep a closer eye on him. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of confused about that as well because it's clear that he has suspicions. He just doesn't seem to be doing much about them. Right. Like he's what? asking Anaconda, uh, great white guy, what he thinks about the causal relationship between, yeah. you know, Blake and his current predicament. And it's like, uh-huh. If you have suspicions, try and figure that shit out. But I think, I mean, we've seen him mobilize because because he's he's trying to he's he went legit. Mm-hmm. Now he's going full back in the bad guy mode, getting all these clubs, getting all of his yeah. former lieutenants deputized, and saying, "Go out there, beat the bushes." I I need information about this stuff. So he, I and and he's also the other time this the small time hustle and muscle I'm talking about is all about him trying to scrape up the money to get a, a, a buy-in back into this project, start like, you know, complete bootstrap operations. I don't feel like he's shortchanged in either one. He's just really stressed out and, you know. Maybe it's just that they're showing so much of his small ball stuff Yeah, that I, I lose the other stuff. I also it. wonder if some of this is going to, we're supposed to get the idea that he's moving way too fast and he's going to have some comeuppance. His wife mentioned something about that. Yeah, like you can't roll big time all these people because while you have been legit, other people have been rising your absence. You can't piss off this many people. There's other yeah. people with you know taking protection money. We saw, we've heard about the Russians. We've heard about the Turks. Uh, you know, there, there. I, I wonder. We know about the Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking also, of just Ch- Chisani, we could just keep listing off eth- racial ethnic stereotype. You sure, know, they're all mixed in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of Chisani and taking money, why is he taking money from this shitty apartment complex? What what could he possibly need money from them for? Just, is it just like a city thing? Like, you know, fuck it. You're in my city. Yeah, you're pay, gonna pay me. me. Fuck you, pay me. Like, every single person who does business or lives there is paying Chisani something? That's what it seems like. Man, it seems like that's a hard secret to keep. Uh, well, I mean, he is. There is an eight-part investigation into the, the the dirty dealings of Vinci. So yeah, I think that's. But he always makes it go away. He always pays or intimidates or whatever people from from doing that. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like such small stakes for this guy. Why does he need hmm. a hand in that? But all right. Uh, what do you think about his wife, Frank's wife? Yeah, Mrs. Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually really like her as a character, and I mm-hmm. like her stand, you know, being a foil for Frank. Yeah, but she's also ultimately loyal. Like when he asks her a question, like you know, should he? I think he kind of asks, like, if we walk away, we walk away from nothing. Is this what you want to do? 
And by coming to her side and taking his hand, I think she's, you know, finally at by the end of the episode is saying, okay, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm going to put the baby train on hold and we're going to go all in on this. Am I off base there? No, I think you're right. Are you, you know, we talked about her being potentially a prime suspect. Do you still feel the same way? I don't, I feel like I'm way off of that trail after this episode. Yeah, me too. Um, I feel like she's maybe one of his most loyal allies Mm -hmm. in this whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he needs that, you know, when when his business is kind of uh, suspect at this point with Blake. I mean, it feels like the only guy that he maybe has on his team inside that organization is Ivar. It seems like his wife, you know, is on the other side in this personal relationship, kind of propping that up mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like he needs a little bit of emotional support. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the most stable guy. So I feel like that's a that's a good thing, something he needs desperately. What do you think about this producer ex-boyfriend? that uh you know the that they came to meet and seemed like do you think he was shining frank on do you think he's legitimately interested do you think i felt like he was legitimately interested but just not on the time scale that frank was talking about Mm. i took pretty much his conversation at face value and maybe that's a mistake it's yeah i just thought it was pretty ballsy to come in there and make that big a play for frank's wife right in front of frank i mean this is like you know guy makes a crack about his teeth he gets up in his face about tears tears his ear off uh yet you make multiple passes at his wife and he just kind of grits his teeth i guess because he needs that money he does but he kind of needs all the money right (laughs) yeah like the, the turk thing he goes in there and he gives him a sweet deal and they know that he's desperate, but then they make a crack about, oh, all this uh, sugar, I wonder you haven't lost a teeth. And yeah, and I, that was a threat, which I get, but yeah. then I don't understand why he made that naked threat and why Frank was allowed to just get in his face in that guy's house and chew on his ear and say, I haven't even had a fucking cavity, which I thought was a pretty badass line. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But it I love that scene. It seemed, I don't know. A different type of re- it. It is part but of this different type stuff. of people, right? Yeah, I get it. Like you know, like Humphrey one Bogart, is a criminal, one is not. You know the the way they talk in in uh, noir movies and Sam Spade stuff is is a heightened type of reality. Sure, but sometimes when they do that stuff, it works for me, and sometimes it brings me out of it. Like yeah, I'm I'm talking specifically about like the producer though. He's a different type of guy than these these criminals right he's not part of the underworld so maybe frank gives him a little bit of latitude here um to to stuff that he wouldn't tolerate when he needs to be in a position of power Mm -hmm. and perceived as a dangerous man Mm -hmm. whereas here he's kind of just a businessman right Mm -hmm. i don't know that he wants to go outside the underworld and say you know what i'm fucking dangerous and i'm a criminal Yeah, just like he doesn't go fuck you you're gonna give me what i want (laughs) he doesn't intimidate the catalyst executive yeah it would be stupid yeah because that uh, guy is probably just gonna go right to the cops and say this "This guy's fucking with me investigate him yeah 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 uh and this guy's you know a powerful guy in in the legit world yeah Yeah. so i don't don't think frank wants to piss him off in the same way that he doesn't care or kind of actually needs to show his power to these criminals what do you think of Paul's storyline? I mean, we both talked about how we were wary of the self-loathing gay man. Yeah. And yet we're both kind of holding out hope that that would be more interesting than that. It, it seems, hasn't gotten more interesting for me. Hasn't gotten more interesting. Now, we no. haven't seen his crazy mother for a while. We still don't know about, <laughs> you know, this this Black Mountain stuff and his relationship with his boyfriend and the, his scars. So there's still some room for it to be more interesting. Uh-huh. But I'm starting to drum my fingers with it a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's just not that engaging at the moment. I like the relationship between like Ray and Paul, and I, I thought some of the things mm. that Ray said, like you know, the past is just sand in your eyes, blink it out, and yeah, and you're surviving because you are, and uh, you know the things he said about reporters, which I thought was a interesting criticism about journalism. You know, it's like I'd rather be wrong first than right second. Like that's okay. kind of like the yeah. thesis for the last newsroom. Yep, that is a big problem. Um, and and I, I liked all that stuff, but I don't. And I love the line "monkey fuck." That's a good. We should great rename the psychosphere phrase. section "monkey." You know, the monkey <laughs> fuck. Uh, uh, and uh, maybe when maybe maybe that's your code word when you've had enough of the psychosphere. All right, enough <laughs> of this monkey fuck. I'm turning on the lights. We're in this podcast. There you go. Uh, but the the whole main plot of him being the self loathing gay guy, I it's it's well well done. I think he's actually I'm starting yeah. to like his acting on it. But I feel like that's the problem with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not that This shit would have been edgies in the seventies, like yeah. you know, it's like Rock Hudson beard secret family kind of thing. But like, oh yeah. he's marrying his girlfriend. That's a this huge is a terrible mistake. idea. They yep. both know it's a terrible idea. It's interesting because I was I was surfing around Reddit and somebody pointed out how that kind of mirrors what Russ Cole says in season one to this woman who's killing her kids. Sure, yeah. How, like, some people view the a child, child as an opportunity the, to make a change in their life. It's it's the easy answer, yeah. Yeah, and that totally applies to Paul here. That's exactly what he's doing. He's using this as, a, a I guess, a catalyst to change his life. Um, yeah. But that's such a bad idea. Oh, God, I mean, he's yeah. Di- <sighs> I don't know. It's It's interesting to struggle against yourself, right? your own nature like in some cases i think that's a noble thing like if you have you know tendencies to uh want to have sex with children that's a super noble <laughs> thing to do right is to deny to have that, sex with children what to, to fight against that urge yeah right? sure like you want to but when you have something like homosexuality that you're dealing with and your reluctance to to participate in that like that's a self-destructive thing versus like this noble pursuit. Yeah, like right? fighting a no shit sex addiction is noble in a way that like where and then you know that's an interesting because it's it's easy to like oh pedophiles you know whatever um, yeah. and I'm not about to defend pedophiles everybody relax but I think it's interesting that you know where do you draw the line between exactly. what is I think the question and that's something that's like because like you know like right now it's like okay homosexual every, everyone's getting more free and more accepting where do we draw yeah. the line like do I have to, do I have to stay make do I have to stop making fun of other kin oh you're a dragon you like to wear a fox costume and yiff another dude with a fox costume or maybe it's a woman you'll never know because you're stuck in a sweaty you know fox outfit. Do I do I have to stop making fun of furries? <laughs> like, at what point do we say never, I never. am born this way, and this is my natural expression for how I love, and this is weird shit that needs to be curbed? Yeah. Well, I like you got the pedophiles in the one extreme of like obviously yes. you need to fucking get help, mm-hmm. and and you need to stop that it's shit. Not something you should indulge in. And you've got like everything that's becoming mainstream and accepted on the other, and like yeah. where do you like maybe I'm this is you know. Uh, I'll be, that's my version of being a racist grandfather. Like in 50 years, okay. I'll be the guy still making fun of the furries. Yeah. When everybody each else other is up the ass accepting and, it. When, yeah. when you've got, you know, the next incarnation of my little pony. There'll be a face, but there'll be a face plug in that essentially makes every morphs everyone into an animal Fox face when, <laughs> when fur- uh-huh. furries are allowed to openly with various genitalia, get fur married. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't sure, know. Sure. But I, I think that, you know, the, the point that I was trying to get to is the core question of fighting against your tendencies. I think that's sure. an interesting thing that is brought up, but in many of the characters, I mean, they're all troubled. They're all trying desperately to get some semblance of a normal life out of their, their existence. But but it's like, weird when is because, that self-destructive and when is that helpful? Yeah, you know? like, am I supposed to root for his noble fight against his homosexual tendencies? I don't think so. I, I would they, say no, personally, but... Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to see be, or see this as, like, you know, we're supposed to say, like, what is wrong with Paul yeah. that he can't accept himself? And, and it's something different with Velcoro, right, who is yeah. self-destructive and fighting against, you know, his tendencies is kind of a noble thing. Sure. So I, I feel like that question is interesting to ponder during this show. Okay. Uh, let's ponder some other things. All right. Annie and Ray, in the course of their investigation, meet up with the mayor's daughter when she goes, uh, crawls deep into the green hookah. Oh, room. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her medicine. Yeah. Her medicine. Get, get near her, she's, got, she's got eyes, man. She's got she's got eye problems like her mom. She her, yeah. she inherited it from her Russian mail-order bride mother. <laughs> she doesn't even actually know. You know, she's something it's, with my eyes. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. They gave me this card. It's just angina. It's it's <laughs> it's it's just generalized pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the clear impression that the mayor had his wife committed and then killed. I felt like that, too. And what is interesting is that, uh, you know, this this lady who played uh, she was just on the bridge as an investigative reporter. Uh, she's also, you know, Aaron Paul's girl, Jesse's girlfriend on Breaking Bad. Yeah, Andrea. Andrea. Um, she mentioned that Casper was a good man. Her father was a bad man. The doctor treating her mother was this pit lore guy hmm. who, if you've been listening to our psychosphere sections, you know, there's a lot of, you know, creepy stuff he's got. He wears similar boots to the, the Raven killer. He's got a picture of a Raven ceremonial mask on his walls he's got pictures of what looks like bohemian grove owl statues and shit on his wall like there's a lot of things that connect him to like he's a weirdo and now he's directly connected and that's kind of like the big smoking gun i thought between the picture of annie's father hanging out with all these people Uh including the mayor and his son and you can see annie putting these pieces together in her head but here's what i'm worried about right so in the first season you know when we we started huffing the psychosphere we were talking about like oh maybe marty's father-in-law yeah is one of these rich old white dudes that's in the sex cult or maybe uh you know marty's daughter is involved but that never came to pass, and that's kind of nice because then you don't have to deal with like, okay, let's let's say that we find out that Rust's father in Alaska was actually the king of Carcosa. Okay, pretty damn convenient, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, if, you, if it turns sense. out that like Annie was mixed up with this with her father and all this stuff from the very beginning, like there's something a little fish NATO. I'm worried about that going down that trajectory that like these detectives are being part of their deep, dark secrets and pasts. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that will sit with me, but more and more, I'm starting to think that there is connections to her father and she might've even been in this Bohemian Grove. Maybe Paul was too. Yeah, no, I, I'm not certain about all that, but you also have to question like how much, how much can we trust Andrea's judgment, Andrea, <laughs> uh, Chasani's daughter's judgment about for instance casper right because we know as an audience that he was doing some fucked up shit and if she judges him to be a good person yeah i'm not sure i trust her judgment is the and also is the mayor's daughter's interview part of the sprawl i mean she was locked up in the that room pouring over these maps like she could be 
she could actually be more into this than her idiot brother is. Like, what if Uh, she is deliberately feeding them misinformation that's throwing them off the tracks? Like, this is, like, really conspiracy-type shit. Sure, yeah, yeah. But then again, we're talking about a show that's that's blending this conspiracy, you know... It's built on conspiracy. Yeah, it's conspiracy stacked on... It's turtles all the way down and only with conspiracies. (laughs) This leads me to the next point. We're always talking about these these high-profile parties Mm -hmm. where young attractive women are going and sometimes disappearing and rich and powerful men are. And Annie's sister says, I, I wouldn't do any of those parties. And Annie's ears pick up and says, ah, we're going to see one of those parties, right? We're going to, we're heading into an eyes wide shut situation. (laughs) And her sister is totally going to do one of those parties. Yeah. Within the two month time window that she gave. And, and, and again, she's going to be dead by then. I, I also wonder again, do do you want Marty's daughter to be involved? It's like no, it's no, fun no. to speculate about it, but if it actually was, and that you have to really make those connections careful, or it's going to seem just too coincidental and too on the nose. You don't want too neat of a bow. What'd you make of the circles on the map where that EPA guy was circling and saying, "Here's your arsenic, and here's your lead, and here's your fucking Cabin, VX right. nerve gas," and yeah, dissolving into the coffee stains on Frank's club napkin, which also looked exactly like the water stains on his ceiling, which also looks like the burnt-out eye sockets of Casper. Yeah, and I mean, it's no... I don't think it's a coincidence that these these guys' eyes were burned out with chemicals. Is the editor on this acid. episode part of the sprawl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are they in on this? Yeah, they are. I think it obviously connects to the, the railroad, the, the light rail, the highway system here. But I think it's deeper than that. I think the killer might know something about it. Um, and that's specifically why she's burning out the eyes as well. Like burning out instead of like plucking out or or doing anything else to remove them. Can we talk about Ray visiting his son and giving him his old man's badge? Yeah. I actually kind of like this scene. I liked it a lot too. And do you think that this, it seems like Ray was set to just vanish off into the distance or at least take a step back for a while. Hmm. But his son seems kind of conflicted about his his dad stepping out of the picture. Do you think that this interaction is going to, especially with maybe his near death experience, uh, you think it's going to galvanize him and he's going to actually fight for his custody for his son? I think he's got to fight for himself first. You know, he's been starting that by getting sober. Uh, and I think he needs to continue down that path before he can even think about being with his son. Ray gets put on forced retirement or leave or whatever from Vinci. Mm-hmm. Uh this offer that Frank makes to put him part of his organization. You think it's more attractive to Ray at that point? Huh. Do I think Ray would go full bad guy? I feel like there's some kind of good in Ray. I agree. I, are him and Frank him working across that. purposes at this point? Like could they hmm. Because I feel like that it's at one point that Frank is going to pair off with Ray and Annie and Paul are going to uh, pair off and there's going to be this light and dark duality for from both teams so you think this connection this you know whatever is there that's connecting them between ray and annie is kind of going to be dissolved or going to be an issue when they split ways she still has this dirty cop versus not dirty cop i mean i think she she's conflicted you can even tell her talking about yeah but we you know, talked saving her and whatnot I, but we have talked about there's some kind of connection there. No, right? yeah, you're you're right. A, maybe it's a kindred spirit thing. Maybe it's just uh, 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, but but if they do split ways and he goes with Frank and she's still investigating, I think maybe that could be a tension between them, you know? Uh, speaking of tension, I was really looking forward to Annie Ginsuing some dude with those knives. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, I thought... I thought she was going to sneak up on the gunman. The it's final the rarely gunman. seen Chekhov's knife that got mm-hmm. taken off the mantle and then put back. Yeah. Like, nope, not it's not the third act yet. It's not the third act. This is still act two. Well... I I think it's just a Chekhov's knife for later episodes. She's gonna use that thing, right? All right, all right. Uh, you know, Breaking Bad used the hell out of the fucking cigarette, so why not? Yeah, you used the hell out of a lot of things. Let me ask you one other question: What the fuck is going on in the freeze frame at the end? I personally really like just their reaction yeah. to Jesus. This is fucked up, and compare like Paul who for the first time felt like he was comfortable in his skin and belonged to the other two. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. nuts. But the freeze frame. It's it's a weird stylistic choice. It is very jar. It really jarred me. I didn't like it mm-hmm. at all. I, I didn't really either. But I like I'd seen screaming for a slow fade to black. Mm-hmm. And then then I got bruised knees singing wailing in my ears for over the credits, <laughs> which another like the, to me that is fade to black and no music on credits. And I don't uh, know like what this cheesy 80s like I expected them all to be giving each other high fives and freeze frame, you know, or, or they're all laughing. That's yeah, the freeze frame I feel is never a good idea unless you're at the end of a sitcom episode. I <laughs> I don't think it has any place in drama, but I, I feel like maybe they were going for something different. Well, like expect. was too many cooks going to start spooling up and playing at that point <laughs> i don't i don't get it maybe it was you, you know you're expecting the fade to black you're expecting the the standard outro that's on like every hbo show now right like or pretty much every show on tv it's mm. just like let's put a, a striking visual let's fade to black and put some music on it or again if it's especially powerful then no music and i think that would have sure. been a good choice too but hmm. yeah. yeah the freeze frame with the bruised knees warbler i i don't know don't know about that. Okay. I, I'm sure there are people out there who liked it, thought it was an interesting choice. Uh, well, I definitely <laughs> thought it was an interesting choice. <laughs> so I saw on Reddit where they had a thread. They were trying to de- make up things that Frank would say. Okay. And some of the shit they came up with was really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, like, which of this is something from Reddit and which of this is something that Frank actually said? You can't tap dance if you're wearing soft shoes. That's been the case since the dawn of time. Oh, that sounds like something he could definitely say. <laughs> I'm so up to my neck and shit, I'm thinking about ordering a snorkel. <laughs> That's Reddit. That's Reddit all the way. The nomenclature, Blake, it's off. This place needs something to capture solemnity. We're not talking brick and mortar anymore. We're stealing glass. <laughs> That's a quote from episode two, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's... Oh, I see. That's that's a quote of Nick Pizzolatto talking about episode two, <laughs> is what that is. Um, yeah, I thought there was a couple of... Oh, yeah, here we go. The Russians are riding my ass like a pair of wet jockeys, and you're telling me to hit the brakes? I, I could see him saying that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, there's only my way. There is no highway. The highway is red and upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are really good. I read through uh, the first couple of those, but uh, I yeah, if you want to go check those out, maybe you should include that in the. Oh yeah, the show notes. put this. Maybe we we need a new section called Monkey Fuck, <laughs> where we just talk about crazy. Because some of this uh, stuff, like there's a couple of parody tinfoil theories. Like the best one was an image of 
it was it was an image of um, Dixon in, in episode one where they're going through Casper's uh, house, and he's like, "Jesus Christ, if I ever croak, make sure you burn all my shit before anyone sees it." Uh-huh. Cut to an image of him phoning in the tip on on Nodos's hideout to the image of uh, him dying to the image of yeah. Nodos's hideout exploding. Okay, <laughs> so it's like this. The theory is that he actually this this was actually his apartment that he rigged to explode on his death. Uh-huh. Uh, Destroying fr- all of his dildos and his butt plugs. Our friend that. Jenny, who organized the whole Breaking Bad fan fest uh, last year that we went to, she pointed out uh, that, that you know obviously this was the guy who played No Dose, um, and she thought it was maybe a Breaking Bad homage that his <laughs> cooking uh-huh. facility exploded in almost exactly the same way that Tuco's hideout did. Yeah. You think that's a? Do you think that's a little uh, VG, little Villigan homage? I'm not sure that Nick Pizzolatto has ever seen Breaking Bad, but maybe he has. Before we get to the Psychosphere, I've got one more question for you. Okay, this is one that was posed on Reddit, and I thought it was actually pretty interesting. Um, it's kind of a meta question. If this show wasn't called True Detective, if we didn't have the pedigree of season one, do you think you'd still be watching it at this point? Who? Um... And I mean, I guess as a follow up. Is that even a fair question? Because after all, it is True Detective, right? So I think with my pedigree of watching television that yes, because I think that if I was going to compare something, I would compare this to last season of The Nick. Um, A a very good looking, high concept, lots of star power. You can, you know... A kind of a, a single creator creative vision that wasn't quite working for me on all levels for the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. I think the Nick eventually, you know, I mean, Shane Bowman talked about and gave it a little review on the Bald Move TV podcast from some time ago. Mm-hmm. I think that eventually came back around. So yeah, like or the bridge. Like I stuck with the bridge to the better bitter end because this stuff has way. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm being harsh or critical on it, but to the extent that I have, by far, it's got enough stuff hooking me and and and, and is interesting me than it is not. So yeah, it's easy for me to say I would definitely be watching this. Um, okay, but would I be podcasting it? I don't <laughs> know because like last uh-huh. year, I wish we'd podcasted live the first the first season of True Detective, and it just the timing didn't work out for us. Um, I don't know if I would have been four episodes in, Hey Jim, you gotta watch this show. We need to do a podcast about it, all that kind of stuff, because it is much more of a, I'm waiting to see whether my time will have been, I'm, I'm not saying like, though, this is a bunch of bullshit, waste of time. I could easily see myself in episode seven or eight saying this is bullshit. I feel like I've wasted my time. Or the exact opposite, right? Oh yeah. Like I, I, and uh, you know, I still have some trust. I don't think Nick Pizzolatto is an idiot. No, no, not at uh, all. I really respect what he's doing, and I, you know, I, I have the faith and confidence that that he will pull through. Um, but I'm just saying, it's I. If, if I had to lay serious money, I, I'd probably try to cover my bets and go with you know play both sides of it because it's to me it's just as likely this is going to not hang together in a satisfying way as mm-hmm. it is going to hang together, and because the. The envelope for hanging together in a satisfying way seems to get trickier and trickier each week because you got to think about, yeah. you know, Ray surviving versus this gun battle being worth it and being believable and, and the aftermath of it being believable. And I, I feel know. like the payoff could be, you know, exponentially greater too, though. 
if you've got something that's so intricate like that and you want to really pay it off and you succeed in that, I think it, it has a lot more impact than something where you kind of see all the pieces coming together and you can kind of just trace it all the way through. I feel like sometimes having a surprise twist at the end where they where it comes together mm-hmm. can be pretty rewarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially if they su- succeed in concealing it so where yeah. it doesn't come together until... But, you know, like but that's tricky about- because you might lose people along the way. Sure. And I, I feel like if I were not... If I weren't doing a podcast on this and season one hadn't happened and this was a new show, I wouldn't be watching it. I don't think I'd be watching it even from the start. Um, That's not surprising I feel like, that you weren't you weren't in on the True Detective from the start. Yeah, once I started hearing like around episode four, people were like, "Oh, they just had the most amazing moment in basically TV history. You got to go check it out." I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna go check it out." Um, yeah, when people start throwing that shit around, nothing yeah. in this season has been close to that. I don't, this, I don't think so. Not even this gunfight. Yeah, I'm thinking like if I like, I will put this gunfight on a some some early episodes of 24. Okay, like uh, I, you know, like into like holy shit, good. I can't believe this yeah. is happening. But like the you know season season one episode four projects fight was just on a other level. I thought so too. Yeah. You know, from just an execution and, and, and a concept and everything. So now I don't think it's an unfair question because I feel like that Nick Pizzolatto maybe unwisely is begging us to make comparisons between Absolutely. this season and last. Yeah. Structurally, the way mm-hmm. even, you know, from an episode to episode basis. Thematically. Thematically, I mean, yeah. you know, he said he's going to run away from cults and some of the psychosphere stuff. And yet it seems like nope. it's just as big a part as, as anything. And I'd like to know. What is your definition of cult and a cult? A cult <laughs> if and you think a this cult. is not part of it? Yeah. yeah, like, you know, you got the Ubi Doobie, Santa Muerta, Crow's Mask, Green Grove, yeah. Yeah, like that's I mean, yeah, it's not like I don't I don't hear I don't feel any supernatural, but to me, you know, that's not the what what a cult or occult things are made of. Um, yeah, I mean, at least season one, like, I was intrigued by the concept of two big movie stars getting in on this show because it was, you know, it happens, but it happens so sporadically that it was really different when two huge stars, especially Matthew McConaughey, because of how important he was at that time. And also, I'm getting to the point where, like, anytime I hear a single, you've got a single creator, you know, after the success of Fargo and True Detective and, and, uh, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, sure, not from helps. a success, Breaking Bad and all that stuff, because he had multiple writers and stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm intrigued, kind of from the jump. Yeah, that, that helps. Stuff. But on this one, like the actors don't appeal to me that much. I'm not like I think Rachel McAdams is good. I don't like Vince Vaughn, or I didn't like Vince Vaughn until this. Um, I did like Colin Farrell, so he was kind of a draw for me. Taylor Kitsch was not, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking that I wouldn't have been that interested in watching the show if it wasn't for the fact that this was the follow-up to what was an amazing season of television last year. Come to think of it, with the Nick, that's one of the big reasons I watched, because oh, yeah. I heard is, you know, Soderbergh, uh, you know, wrote, directed, cinematographer, and edited. What? Yeah. Like, just cradle to grave this thing? I want mm-hmm. in on that. So, yeah, I, 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 I think I would have been in just hearing that this is, like, you know, this is a writer, and you know, I could say... 
yeah, for the same reasons I was in on season, I, I watched the uh, season one episode one of Detective Live. Yeah, because I was super excited for all the things you said, plus the singular creative focus. I think that's where if we have a platinum age of television, it'll be because of that. Hmm. That you get some take it to the next a, level, like yeah. a single creative genius that's like Stanley Kubrick's it and just makes this cohesive wor- piece of art that's going to you know take it to the next level. I think you also got to ask what else is on at the time, right? Like if let's say hypothetically Game of Thrones, uh, Better Call Saul, I don't know, maybe Fargo and The Leftovers were all on, mm-hmm. and True Detective comes out like season two without the pedigree. Lost. I'm like, nah, I have no interest in that. I'm watching five other things right now, and we're comparing. I mean, I guess we're comparing them at their peaks. Because yeah, Fargo, well, I, Far, Fargo, The Leftovers, Game of Thrones, and Better Call Saul. No, that Better Call Saul is an interesting example because its mm-hmm. first two, three episodes are a little rough too. Yeah, yeah. Eventually rounded into form and and was pretty good. But sure. But if I hear about this brand new show that has Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, Rachel yeah. McAdams, Taylor Kitsch, and it's about cops investigating a murder mystery, uh-huh. I'm like, no, thank you. I've got five other shows that are okay. all better. Hmm. All um, right. But, but, you know, nothing, I mean, we're kind of in a dry spell, you know, the summer is not the time where a lot of good TV comes out. Um, there are certainly good things on right now, but not so much that it gets in the way of watching this. And I think you know, true detective, this is true detective. Sure, <laughs> There's sure. that bottom line too. And last year, you know, true detective kind of benefited from that too, because it was going against the walking dead season four B. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like in the tail in the winter and it was you know, kind of a phenomenon. So whereas, mm-hmm. yeah, I was coming out in the dog days of summer. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, I definitely, I don't want anyone to think, I think this is a terrible show. No, it's just one of these weird work. I feel like I have to postpone judgment until I see the whole thing, because I could just as easily say this could be garbage as it could be amazing. And I think everyone, if, if they're being completely honest, uh, could say that about almost any television show, right? Yeah, and frankly, I've been... I, I'm i more of a binge watcher now. you like, right. I, I can't be, for the most part, because of all the stuff we cover. Uh-huh. But when I watch television on my personal time, yeah. I'm binge watching stuff. I'm not going and saying, oh, well, there's two episodes of this out. I'm going to watch it and then wait a week. Yeah, and then that's that definitely smooths out rough places and, and heightens yeah. the good stuff. Oh yeah, because you're you're more involved in the universe that they've created when sure. you're when you're binge watching stuff. You don't have a week to forget minute details. You're like, oh, I just saw that. I remember this clearly. Yeah, and Seven always talks about stuff like, well, this is intended to be binged. This is not intended to be binged. I don't hmm. know what he's talking about okay. because to me, like, really good stuff is almost universally improved on being binged. Now, the one exception I can think of is the leftovers. I don't see how you binge that shit. Well, I mean, stuff like Lost and maybe even True Detective kind of falls in that category, too. See, Lost, in... I thought was very bingeable. I binged the shit out of the seasons I did Well, watch. you get a different kind of enjoyment from I it. I guess that's Because true. with Lost, it was all about the mystery, the, right? The psychosphere, and the sprawl. People yeah. were on the forums, and they were like... And, and the, the same Dharma thing's initiative. happening here. And yeah. I think the same thing happens in a lot of shows, but some shows warrant it more than others. Yeah. Like, I don't know that Breaking Bad needed that element at all, mm. even though... There was some meat there. Yeah, no, Breaking Bad is very bingeable. You're right. True Detective but, but might yeah. be. It's. I don't think it detracts from the experience, but you're right. It's a different experience. Uh, I got some feedback. Michael G said, "I'm thinking of all the shots we've seen of roads and highways, but more importantly, traffic is going to symbolize the driving force. No pun intended. Behind the Birdman, human trafficking. 
The most popular theory behind a Birdman is that he or she is acting as a vigilante, taking out the people who promote it, either by doing the actual trafficking or by being a patron of it, i.e. Casper. I think the missing sister from episode one could be a, have been a victim of this trafficking. I don't have any concrete evidence, but it would certainly fall neatly into the theory. Something about the mayor's wife felt off, too. She's definitely younger than the mayor. She has a heavy Russian, perhaps Ukrainian accent. Yeah. She does seem to fit the trope of a mail-order bride, young, mm-hmm. good-looking, Russian, and aloof. I'm not saying she's held against her will, but mail ordering a bride is is a form of human trafficking, which is actually a much bigger problem than people realize. It's not only people being sexually exploited. There's a whole realm of people who are trafficked as indentured servants. For example, there's a recent Frontline special about women conned into coming to the U.S. for employment. A party arranges their travel, food, and board, get a job for them, but once they get there, they end up spending years working off the quote-unquote debt, which ends up being some ridiculous sum. It's a form of modern-day slavery. The people not being oppressed by literal shackles, but figurative ones, emotionally and physical and psychologically shackled. Uh, so, yeah, he says, I think this whole conspiracy is about human trafficking, specifically women being trafficked for sexual exploitation. And again, the traffic motif we see a dozen times in the episode and the opening credit sequence and the posters, etc. with the icing on the cake being the professional and possibly personal paths or roads of our main characters leading them to this conspiracy. Uh, which, by the way, has already literally happened with the Paul's discovery of Casper. What do you think of, you know, a lot of people have almost made it a trope at this point. The, uh, you know, helicopter shot of the yeah. of the California freeway system sprawl. I mean, they did it like five times in this episode, right? Yeah, it wasn't like it's this. It's all over the place in the show. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Lin set it up. Everybody sees, seems to be knocking it down. Um, I buy that. The sex trafficking idea is was kind of what was in my head when I was talking about this shootout and why the shootout happened and the sort of overreaction to if if you've got, you know, a pimp with his prostitutes, shooting up the cops is going to get you more time than the crime you've committed. Whereas sex trafficking is a different thing, right? Hmm. And I feel like maybe a shootout with the cops is not a bad way to go if you're charged with that sort of thing hmm. and you know the kind of people who are involved in it mm-hmm. and those people are willing to kill you if you survive <laughs> you know they, they can find you in prison they can get you wherever you are I like my town with a little drop of poison nobody knows they're up to go insane I'm all alone I smoke my friends down to the filter But I feel much cleaner after it rains And she left Jim, are you ready to take a couple whiffs, some deep puffs of the psychosphere? Yep. Well, too bad because there's not a lot of deep puffs ah, this episode. It's man, had a lot of setup. I'm not even gonna get high on it. No, maybe buzzed, maybe buzzed. Okay. And by the way, so I've had a lot of people like, "What the fuck is this psychosphere shit you're talking about?" This was, a, this goes back <laughs> to not season, season one, one, episode one of True Detective, where Russ says, you know, talking about I, that 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 I smell this uh, ash and aluminum. It's almost like I can smell the psychosphere and. Then Marty looks at him, gives him the trademark, what the fuck looks. Yeah. 
Uh, so we started like jokingly referring to that when we were getting on Reddit and doing the research is like, oh yeah, I'm smelling it. I'm smelling that aluminum and ash. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we've got, got some listeners. We got some more feedback in the Psychosphere segment. They're starting to play along too. All right. Uh, Ajas, I think is how you pronounce that. Ajas. Sounds right. Uh, in episode one, when Paul clicks off his headlights, they're building on my constellation theory, the missing star theory. The Orion's Belt, yeah. When Paul clicks off his headlights and drives blindly ahead on the horizon, there is clearly the Big Dipper, but it's mirrored, which would imply that the North Star is below the horizon, which is impossible. Hmm. In episode three, when Ray is sitting in the ambulance, there's also the same star configuration of shrapnel on his chest, except inverted. Didn't we see like a mirrored sort of Big Dipper in that picture of the Orion? I think so. Constellation? It was missing its belt. Yeah. Uh, or part of its belt. Um, Interesting. But he finishes up, uh, in any event, these Constellation Easter eggs are no accident. Uh, hmm. I mean, that's a good point. I, I wonder, you know, he talks about Paul clicks off the headlights, drives blindly ahead. We talked about the whole blinding um, being part of the, the Taking whole, the eyes out. Yeah. Uh, the whole Oedipus complex. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, if the North Star was under the horizon, then you kind of like lose your sense of direction, maybe. Okay. You you, you smelling that, that ash and, and aluminum? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, there might be some there there. I just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, me either. Or it could just be just, you know, th- thematic, which I enjoy as well. Sure. Andrew from New York said, I remember Aaron wondering if the date ambiguity could just be a continuity error. I know in the film Vanilla Sky, starring Tom Cruise and directed by Cameron Crowe, there is a similar error that people believe to be an Easter egg. The whole movie's premise was, what is reality? Was the movie part dream, all dream, or all real? Tom's Cruise, Tom's Cruise, Tom's car, Thomas Tom Cruise. Cruise's car's registration expired on 2-30-01. Obviously, there's no February 30th, so people took that to be a clue that this scene was a dream. Cameron later said that he didn't even realize it until people pointed it out. It was just a prop error. Okay. I imagine that happens a lot more often than you'd sure. expect. But on the other hand, with this Constellation stuff, and also there's a there's something coming with the watch, are these prop errors, or are they things designed to tell us something subconsciously, or just to make us feel unhinged sub- subconsciously? Like we're being told that 2 plus 2 equals 5, and we're buying it, but I, we're, uh, we're I, that cognitive dissonance is grinding our subconscious gears. I feel like your answer to that depends on how much leeway and how much confidence you want to uh, transfer to Nick Pizzolatto here. All right. Do do you think that you know a prop person saw that Pizzolatto wanted this set in 2015 and said, "Oh, that can't be right. October 20, it's not even October 2015 now. Let's change this to 2014." Or do you think that that's there to get you in a headspace which is conducive to telling the story he wants? I don't, I don't know that I buy that. I could though. It's not, I'm not beyond gonna, the realm. I'm not going to say no. However, our experience in season one would indicate that's probably just a prop error. I feel like it is, yeah. But I don't know where to draw the line because as we, you know, we're about to get into. In fact, fuck it. Let's just get into it. Okay. Casper's watch discrepancy. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Paul's comparing Casper's watch to a insurance photograph. And again, all these images that I refer to are always in the show notes. So you can see what we're seeing uh, by clicking over there or going to baldmove.com, finding the article. And I got them all in the psychosphere section um, on this, this post at the podcast. 
These look on the face of it identical watches. Let's let's spot the difference. Let's on get the our face highlights. Of it. <laughs> let's get our highlights for children out and see what are the differences. <laughs> Circle them. <laughs> Find them all. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, it looks like there might be a second word written under the hands of that that photo. You're right. The face of it the watch like on the face of it seems like it could be different. Although there's also like some weird interference light patterns. Yeah. That might look like it's reflections from the hands of the watch. And that could be that because this is, you know, we're comparing the real thing to a grainy black and white photo. Yeah. They need a better photographer. In- <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long ago he bought this watch, but it yeah, looks like it's $32,000. I mean, I want, a, I want a really nice high res yeah. image of this thing. What is it? And it looks a Polaroid like, stapled to this? At first, there on the right-hand side, there's this little dial, which is like, I don't know if it's a sundial or a compass or whatever it is. Yeah. It looks slightly like, different, and I thought at first, oh, maybe that's like the, the blue diamonds have been plucked out. It looks kind of like a ring of diamonds mm. over there. But on second viewing, it kind of looks like it may be is something that rotates around the center, and is it just in a different position here? So, so Okay, so last week we decided mutually not to talk about the blue diamond theory because yeah. we had, you know, we pre-discussed the psychosphere to kind of like up and down what we think, and you were just mm-hmm. like not buying it at all, bullshit. Because uh, people a, are running on theories that aren't scientifically accurate. <laughs> well, but I don't know that that's... So here's the theory. Um, blue diamonds are caused by... And, 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 and some of this science might not be right, but this is the theory. The blue diamonds are caused by boron contamination of the carbon matrix. And that's what yeah. causes the blue coloration. Mm-hmm. And that there are boron mines in this part of... California, or the yeah. crust of the Earth is laced with more boron than normal. Uh, the blue diamonds in Casper's safe deposit box, people speculated that this, you know, when they're doing these land surveys, it turns out that they actually found that there are diamonds in this part of California and the potential for a diamond yeah. mine, which would make the, the land is already more valuable because it's going to be bought up for his pork barrel, astronomically more valuable. And that the big corporations and the mayors and whatnot, whoever is involved in the sprawl, has found that out, and they're no longer interested in the Frank's little money. Like this, this, this offer is so low that they want to muscle him out so they can keep the diamonds for themselves. Yeah, or I mean, it leads potentially other places. Like this is Casper's plot, and he found the diamonds. He doesn't want to sell the land anymore. Yeah, maybe. But we we also know like there are very few, if zero diamond mines in california well i know that yeah but there I, are diamonds that have been found in california but they are surface level they're not in any kind of rich deposits okay but you know again the the idea here would be that they have found discovered it it's okay it would be it's the it's the it's it's completely the, Beverly exceptional. Hell, the hillbilly situation he was out shooting at yes. some food and up came to ground bubbling crude Casper's out there, fucking horrors, sure. and up came the but ground, it's not like sparkling it, diamonds. He was shooting around in Alaska, right? It's like he was shooting around, <laughs> I don't know, in Rhode Island uh-huh. and found a, a random well. <laughs> Someone's going to write in, Rhode Island's actually one of oh, the richest oil fields. Maybe since... so. I don't know anything about Rhode Island. <laughs> That's why I picked it. Uh, so, yeah, I, it seems like the watches, and I don't, is, is that a prop error? Is that to suggest that Paul is preoccupied with his homosexual relationship and his PTSD and he just is kind of over it and close enough? I don't know. I don't know either. And it could literally just be a reflection that he deduces to be such, right? Yeah. 
Like, I mean, uh, it's a close match, but you're right. If that is indeed another word on the face, and you know, I, I do, and I don't know what's going on the dial where there's missing gems there. That's the dials in a different position. I don't even know what yeah, that yeah. is. Is it a depth gauge? I don't know. Is it? You're, no, I don't think you're going swimming with a thirty-two thousand dollars watch. <laughs> if you have a thirty thousand dollars watch, I think you have to go swimming with it. Okay. That that's fair. And like it if it says be if it says thirty meters depth resistance, <laughs> and by God, for thirty two thousand dollars watch, it better fuck. I better get the thirty one point nine nine meters before it leaks. At wow. least, God yeah. damn. I don't think those watches. Are I'd argue thirty two point nine nine, but um. So okay, there's that. Here's another interesting thing. The pink baby theory. We've we've seen a lot of infertility problems. In this episode, in this season, like Ray and his wife, before she got raped, had problems conceiving, Uh, you know, Frank and his wife are having troubles conceiving. Mm -hmm. But this this Turkish bakery that that uh, Frank meets with these gangsters in, they have these cupcakes and they're these little baby icons on. This is clearly like, you know, if you're passing out blue cigars, pink cigars at your at your office there's 20 of them, and you also see tins in the back with a similar skewing, skewed ratio. There are 18 pink baby cupcakes to only two blue baby pup cupcakes. Is this to suggest that whatever chemical weirdness contamination is going on at these sites, whether it's part of the sprawl, trumped up, or actual, is this actually fucking up birth rates to where we're having a run on baby girls versus baby boys? Does this mean anything? Hmm. I can't help but think it means something. I'm just not sure what it means. There's uh, no baby boys being born in California. You know, can anyone from LA confirm that there's no baby boys <laughs> being born in the no diamond in mines no, and no baby boys, no baby boys, no diamond mines, Orange County? We need to know. I mean, is that scientifically plausible? I have no idea that like certain contaminants could cause oh, different sh- sexes to be born. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not aware of any, but yeah. I, I have no knowledge about that, so uh, I don't. I don't know what it means. Uh, it could also be indicative of of women being more victimized than men by this plot. Okay. Like you know, Paul like is those the blue. Two, those Paul two kids is the are blue. The pimps. That that's Paul and Ray, and everybody else is just a sea of women. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, they're pimp. They're pimp babies. The pimps. Yeah, sure. They got uh, nine of them for each. Got the pimp, pimp pacifier, all diamond encrusted. <laughs> Uh, there's also a couple other things and this is about it. Um, I want to talk about some of the quotes from the journalists in Paul's face would uh, officer Woodrow's face that okay. unless you had your closed captions, I, you probably missed these and there's some information, which I wasn't able to look up anything on, but, uh, I just wanted to get it out there to see what people have to make of it. Uh, they, the first journalist said, officer Woodrow, what is your comment on the war crimes allegations against your black mountain unit? That's not too much new information, although the words war crimes yeah. kind of implies that, you know, this this is this is more scandalous than maybe we initially thought. Well, we clearly know that Paul doesn't see it that way. Well, I don't know, because Paul seems to be very, well, they told me to do it, and, you know, that worked for the Nazis, right? No one got hung well, at the Hague trials. For so maybe he thinks he committed orders. war crimes for the right reasons? Is that what you're suggesting? I No, I think he for thinks America? he committed right war crimes because he's ordered to do so, and he's now not thinking that was the right thing. But he defends, he tries to defend his actions to his superior. Yes, but here with Ray, when he was being more unguarded it seemed like he was ah. more self-loathing and and and, and ray, frank ray was the one trying to be like yo you're a war hero if you ask me 
Hmm. But what do I know? I beat the shit out of a kid's dad for calling my son, you know, for 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 slicing up my kid's Jordan. So maybe he's been thinking about it, and his opinion is changing on what he did. Well, I don't know if his opinion ever changed. It's it's just what just you will, a front It's what for... you say to a stranger versus someone that you were you know learning to trust. I guess. Hmm. Uh, they say also, were you involved in the securing of a village outside Habinya uh, on August 2009? I probably butchered that village's name, just like Paul butchered the villagers. Uh, <laughs> Do you know that? That's a big accusation. <laughs> it's a war crime. That's, that's, that means you're butchering villages. I, I know for a fact. Hmm. I saw I saw Deer Hunter. I know mm-hmm. what it's all about. Uh, third journalist said, would you say your behavior relating to, uh, I forget the celebrity's name and I, I, I missed it, uh, follows a pattern given to accusations against black mountain follow up question. Do you have a history of abuse to women? Interesting. Yeah. So those are two very leading questions. Not seen any uh, indication of Paul having a history of abuse towards women. No, but he was very like mean whatever to his ex-girlfriend, but that's not the same thing. Sounds like whatever he did in black mountain might have involved women specifically. Mm, but yet the two guys we know were involved are both gay. At, yeah, the two that we know of. They don't seem either they don't seem inclined to be abusive towards women. No, but I mean it, you know, there's also an atmosphere of intolerance for that I think in in the military during the times that he's talking about. Sure. And certainly they might be pushed to go along with something they didn't care for uh just to save face. Uh but I don't know what butchering women, like how he could possibly ever defend that to hmm. anybody, right? Like, why would he say to his commanding officer, like, or, you know, the captain or whatever, that police force, that he feels like he what he did was for America and all that, if it was just a blatant butchering of a bunch of women? Yeah, and so this 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 city they talked to, Habin, Habinia, uh, is a real city in the Al-Anbar province of Iraq. And it also was one of the battle, the one of those skirmishes that led to the big battle of Fallujah, which is pretty famous, happened in 2004, uh, where over five U.S. soldiers were killed in a roadside IED in, in this little town leading up to it. Nothing really happened around 2009. Now, of course, this is an alternate kind of timeline history. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was interesting. And again, nothing has turned up this so far, but this is like the most concrete evidence or Concrete information we've heard about the Black Mountain stuff, and I, I thought it would be interesting to get that out and see if anyone made any connections. Yeah, I'm wondering if there isn't some kind of, you know, switcheroo here where they thought they had intelligence that led them to some operative that they were going to assassinate, and it turned out to be... An all-girls. An all yeah, with, like, kids and women and innocents of all sorts there. There was 18 baby girls, only two baby got boys, and it was just a... Yeah. And then it detonated like Tuco's hideout <laughs> at the hands yeah. of Paul. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I live it full. I live it wide. Through layers of time, you can't divide. Bald Move depends on your support to create our independent podcast. Find out how you can help out and get lots of great perks such as ad-free podcasts, live video feeds, and other exclusive bonus content at club.baldmove.com. If you'd like to send in your feedback, you can do so by emailing it to truedetective at baldmove.com. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com and participate in our discussion forums. Keep up with our latest release schedules by liking us on Facebook or following us on Twitter. I live among you, well disguised.